the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. This intro for the show is coming to you from the inside of my rental car. Uh, because I'm a dipshit and forgot to record my intro and outro for this episode before I left the house with my proper microphone, my whole setup, tra-la-la. So I'm doing it in the car. I'm actually sitting in traffic in Cincinnati on my way to AEW. You guys, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, oh my god! That's for a whole other episode, because obviously I need to book both of those gentlemen onto this podcast. But, you know, I have on today, the virtuosa herself. We've got Deanna Perrazzo. I loved being able to pick this woman's brain just about her time since leaving WWE, her time at NXT, to everything she's been able to do outside of that, from Impact, things with, with Ring of Honor as a potential. I mean, so many different things that this chick could do. Her relationship she has with Chelsea Green, with Britt Baker. Something cool could maybe happen there. Who knows? But anyways, this chick fucking rules. Let's just get into it. Here she is, the virtuosa, Deanna Perrazzo. Did I put on a red lip for you today? Yes, I did. You look I look beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I just, I was like, Deanna's coming on. I feel like I should just give a little pop of some color. If you do it when you're interviewing a dude, they don't really get it. Women understand a little bit better. Yes, you look great. Is it too much? Did I go too far? I don't know. I feel like my gauge of, also the lighting in my house is so shit that I can never tell if I have on no makeup or all of the makeup. Yeah, I feel like the only place I can really ever record is our office and the lighting is not good. So I like kind of have a ring light lighting, but not really. There's no real sun that comes in here. It's just horrible. Otherwise, we're in the living room and the dogs are barking the whole time. Oh my God. Mine is like that too. If like if FedEx or like Amazon comes out, the dogs go bonkers or the baby's crying. I also have a ring light, which is now reflecting like just on my wall. I don't know. I, I, I don't do the tech side of things or the, the, aste- I do the aesthetic with the wallpaper. That's, that's the best that I can do, but yeah, but we're just, we're just here to chat. Yeah. We're just here to chat. So F it, who cares? Um, okay. So you are the impact knockout champ. You are uh, the triple a Rihanna, the Rihanna's champ. Did I say that right? Better than I oh. could ever say. <laughs> <laughs> How is it traveling with two belts? What's that like? There's like that old like rule, I guess, from like the old days that you're not supposed to like check your gear. You're not supposed to check the belt. I freaking check it all because I don't want to be that person that's like, ooh, um, we have to take this out. Ooh, what is it? And then everyone in line is asking you, you know, what do you do? Oh, what weight class are you in? And I have to be like, you know, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's all you have to say is like Hulk Hogan, the undertaker. And people are like, okay, I understand now. Yeah. So I just don't want to go through that. I throw it in my check bag and um, hope and pray it gets there the whole time. Are there any other sort of like old school traditions that come with wrestling that you are either all in or all out on? Nothing sparks. Like my brain isn't like, yes, you do that. So I probably don't do any of them. <laughs> like, I mean, when you think of, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is of course the handshaking. That's like the number one that I had to, when I first got into wrestling, that went through me for a loop. Cause I didn't know I was not a wrestler. I came in as a broadcaster and I always felt like I was 
being rude. If I remember walking and seeing like Shawn Michaels talking to like Triple H or something and they're, they're like, oh, go shake their hands. I'm like, but they're in a conversation. How dare I go interrupt this conversation for my dumb ass to be like, hey, nice to see you. How are you doing today? It's it's intimidating. I'm always super weird about like, what's the right time? Cause I don't want to do the same thing. Like I don't want to interrupt or be, and then you're trying to not be rude, but you're actually being rude. And like wrestling is so weird. And so like people in it are so weird that they take you trying not to be rude as rudeness. So I just wait until someone's like by themselves to just be like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I didn't want to catch you at a bad time. It's very nice to meet you. Um, and like mini explain myself, but also do the right thing. <laughs> Uh, because yeah, like you're supposed to shake everyone's hand, but everyone's so busy. Like it's, it's such a weird, a weird thing. I feel like it's like social double Dutch of like, when do you jump in? How do I find the right timing to get in there to make sense of this? It, it can be very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, the, the traveling with the belts, not checking anything. Have you ever lost anything that way? No, thank gosh. Never. The only time I ever lost a bag was like, I was going to the UK for like a long weekend to see friends and stuff. And, um, that was the only ever time I've lost a bag. So yeah, knock on wood, yeah. I'm going to knock on my desk because <laughs> now I will lose it going to tapings next week. No, well, hopefully <laughs> not. Fingers crossed. That would be the absolute shit. That would be horrifying to drop. Yeah. To not have either of those titles. Do they have them like at TVs as well? Or do you just have the action? That's it. That's it. Oh girl. And I'm legit the type of person that I would lose my head if I could. I, forget everything. I lose everything. Um, so the fact that it's almost like been a year since I've had the knockout championship, I've not lost it once. I'm like hell bent on not having to text Scott ever and be like, I lost the belt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Somebody or like, yeah, if you leave it, I remember, I feel like that happened to John at some point. Did he leave his title somewhere or maybe it was a money in the bank briefcase or something like that. But I mean, that's all, that's very scary. That's a big responsibility that I would not be down for. I guess I'm kind of used to it now, but yeah, at first I was like, I don't even know how to hold this thing. Like, what do you do with it? So now I have a bag, it goes in. And when I'm done, it goes right back in that bag. That bag goes in my suitcase. How difficult is it to come up with a new way to hold the championship coming out to the ring? Because everyone has a different way that they do it, put a different spin on it. Like, do you sit in front of a mirror and like try different things out? What do you do? I'm super like, oh, I'll just figure it out while I'm out there. And one was totally fine. You know, I put my hands out, I kind of look up, but um, so I could just keep the one and it wouldn't really move or I could do one arm. But now with two, I feel so boring, like, because I just have to hold the two. And if I put my arms out, I'm kind of like, oh, this is shaky. Don't They're know. heavy. Yes. Um, so yeah, now I'm just like, I'll put two here. And like, I wear the big jackets and stuff. So I can't really put one around my waist. It's like a whole... I was just saying to Chelsea last night, um, I just look so boring. Like I, I'm already kind of like, don't have a lot for my entrance. And now I'm just like, here's my belts. The simplicity can just be key. It speaks for itself. You've done the work. You've got both the championships. I don't feel like there needs to be a song and dance involved. I feel like you can just go out there and you have the gold. Everyone can suck it. And that's, I think what I'm more going for now is just like, look at me, champ, champ. Yes, exactly. I did the damn thing. I've got all the gold. Um, okay. So coming off of, uh, NWA, I mean, you guys just did NWA 73, which was incredible yeah. and empower. 
How was it doing all these things kind of back to back? Yeah, it's so Empower was absolutely amazing. Um, And I haven't gotten a chance to see the whole show back, but just kind of that vibe, like backstage and you could feel it with the crowd. Like it was super, super emotional for, I think, every single person. Like I tend to be really emotional when it comes to wrestling, but even someone again, like Chels, who's cold hearted, I swear, like doesn't have a tear ducked in her body, um, was <laughs> like emotional. So, uh, across the board, like it was just, there were legends and they were like really like new, just getting their feet wet and wrestling people. And, um, I loved to see everyone come together, uh, and freaking like tear the roof off the place, um, and, and make history, uh, and then NWA 73, I mean, made its own history because there's such a legacy in that building in St. Louis. Um, and then like to attack Mickey on her, on her return was cool. Hell yeah. And, yeah. The whole vibe of the whole weekend was just really positive and like reaffirming that, like, I love this. I love this so much. And for you to be able to work with, I mean, you said like, you know, with impact, you're able to kind of spread your wings and work in all these different promotions and work with different people. I mean, would you have ever anticipated being able to work with the likes of Mickey James and Melina? I mean, it just, just watching back your match with Melina for you to step into the ring with her. What was that like for you? I mean, it's intimidating because these people are like people I grew up watching and they're people that like helped make me want to become a wrestler. Um, So it is the kind of like, oh, crap, I would have never thought as a you know nine year old wrestling fan, like one day I'll share the ring with Melina or Mickey James or even like Gail Kim being my producer and things like that is just like my mind is constantly blown um, by the people I get to be around and learn from. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Melina is like. Mickey kept calling her a hellcat and she is she fierce and emotional. And like, you could feel how much she loves this and her passion, like just, Oh, it was, um, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think we probably had the match of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. It was so cool to watch. Did you guys all feel that pressure of like, okay, we're doing an all women's pay-per-view. I mean, since evolution, there's not been a moment like that again. Did, were you guys feeling that pressure backstage? You guys have any conversations about that? I mean, I definitely did. Um, you know, but I, I do think that there was that kind of like that, that energy of like, this is do or die. And especially for Mickey, who, who asked for this and was told like, oh no, like it didn't work. It doesn't draw women, you know, shouldn't have their own pay-per-view. Um, that it was kind of like, we have to do right by her. We have to make this work to prove her right. Because I think we wouldn't all be women's wrestlers if we didn't think we deserved that platform and want to push for that platform. So, um, I mean, I can only speak for me personally, but I think everyone really felt that like we got to go out there and kick ass and, and make this thing happen. What is your take on that opinion that women's wrestling does not draw money? What's your, what do you, what do you think about that? I think it's so contradictory because we had, you know, they had evolution and I was employed when evolution happened. And like, if you didn't think it made money, then why did you ever try it? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, then even before that, there was the whole give divas a chance movement that really, um, solidified like the whole women's evolution and like they market that and they still do. So it's, it's a bit confusing. I think where it's like, you either believe in it or you don't, and you can't kind of go halfway and you can't kind of take your word back. And I totally get why, like, an evolution might be hard to do every year because there's, there's constant storylines that are changing and there's other big pay-per-views that you're working towards. But I think seeing this happen and I think seeing a company necessarily not as big as WWE with the machine behind them, like WWE does absolutely have a phenomenal show top to bottom. Like everyone, like I said, killed it. Uh, I think it's going to make people change their minds because 
again, I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think I could be the main event, if I didn't think I would make money. Um, but each of us are here thriving, making money. <laughs> yeah, we're thriving and making that money, baby. <laughs> and it, there really was such an outpouring online from women, from all promotions. I mean, everyone was invested, obviously, from the female standpoint. There was a ton of support from the likes of Ronda Rousey to Sasha Banks to some of these women that really wanted to keep their eye on what women are doing in all these other promotions and to really support each other. I didn't see that because I I don't think I was on my phone most of the night once the show started. But I tried to sneak out for um, the semi-main and the main event to see. I think it was Camille versus Layla. And then it was the big gauntlet style match. Um, really, I was just out there to like feel the crowd. And I really like to do that when I can um, and like cheer for them and be a part of it. Uh, I saw Rhonda's tweet and I was like, holy crap, like you tweeted about me. And then I went through and I was like, oh, my God, she's she's watching the show. This is cool, because the more eyes you can get on any product, the better. And, you know, Rhonda was at the top. She main evented WrestleMania. So for her to be supporting I don't want to say a lesser show because it's not, but not as big of a show with that machine again um, and her to be invested and want to see women put in these positions. Uh, I mean, if she can do it, then hell yeah, we could do it too. Yeah. I mean, it really is like you for when other women succeed, especially in the, in the world of wrestling. I mean, we can speak to that all day, but it's like, it make it's good for everybody all around. I mean, whether even just talking about other promotions existing and making competition good for everybody else. But I think having women on that platform and seeing uh, an event like empower be such a success, I think it really continues to just bash that door down. And maybe it does make WWE look at things again and decide, Hey, we should be doing another evolution to, uh, to you guys doing more empowers or maybe maybe AEW starts doing an all women's thing who knows but just to see that success and see that people really wanted to pay attention to it i think is really exciting for women's wrestling right now yeah i agree and and all weekend there was a whole bunch of media that we all did and i kept saying like if you can see it you can be it and that's you know not just women but it's kind of the theme of the world right now and i think that having um this platform and and hopefully you know it happens every year or every six months or whatever it it might end up being i think that the more we can see women be in those roles the more women believe they can be in those roles and that's really important for right now but more importantly the future of whatever women's wrestling becomes and there's no lack of talent i mean shit the depth of rosters from from Ring of Honor to Impact to AEW, obviously at, at WWE. It's like there's so many women from different walks of life that bring so many different aspects to, to women's wrestling that like there's a space for it. There's not there's not five women doing it. It's like there's so many everywhere. And, you know, like you said, you know, from Empower, so you've got Mickey James to having on Melina to yourself to Chelsea and then having on some some greener talent to give them a platform to kind of figure things out as well. And, uh, you know, even having like Alundra Blaze involved with things backstage. Did you get to hang out with Alundra too much at Empower? Yeah, I, she's like, I love her so much. I've known her um probably for like five or six years now. Uh, and kind of when she came back to wrestling, she was involved um, with Rise. That was kind of Shimmer's sister promotion. And um, she would do backstage stuff with them and do seminars for us. So uh, I've really gotten to know her well. So it's always great to see her and kind of, we just like chit chat and shit talk. And, and, <laughs> she you loves know, that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Awesome Kong, you know, returned and announced yes. her retirement for her and Gail to have that moment. Jazz is someone I've gotten to know over the past few months and absolutely adore. It was just really cool to be able to share this moment with women who are 
ahead of their time and maybe didn't necessarily get all their flowers and their props that they deserved. And I think, um, you know, whether it's Awesome Kong leaving wrestling or uh, Mickey coming back, like it's it's giving everyone what they deserved and, and uh, appreciating what they did to get us where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So kudos to all of you involved. Uh, it, it was very, very cool to watch and just see the the reaction and the outpouring online. It's awesome. Um, okay. So your time in, uh, in WWE and NXT, we'll get into that, but I want to talk about impact. Why does impact feel like that is the best fit for you? I mean, at the time to where you are now. At the time, like I was in a bit of a weird space because I didn't really know like what options I had or did I even want to wrestle anymore? Like I just personally was in a really weird space. And Madison Rain is one of my best friends. She's kind of made her entire career at Impact. She was agenting at Impact at the time. And the whole time I was in NXT and kind of not happy, like she knew. And she was like, I will help you do whatever you want to do when and if you decide to leave. Um, and then when I was released, she was the first person to be like, here is Scott Demore, who's the like head of everything at Impact. Um, here's his contact. He's going to call you in the next few days. So I kind of didn't have a choice. She was like, you're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Contracts in the mail. Yeah. Once, once he and I got to talk, it really just seemed like this was a place I could explore myself because I was in that weird space. And I was like trying ideas at NXT and no one was really understanding. And, and I was frustrated. And it was kind of like when I sent them everything I had already pitched elsewhere, they were like, oh, we love this. Like, this is what we want to do. If you are ready to do it, we can have you right after your 30 days is up. It was like the perfect storm of the timing was right. And everything I wanted to try and explore and see if it really worked. They were willing to let me do. And, um, I knew so many people there that I was welcomed right away. Uh, so yeah, right off the bat, it was kind of like, okay, this feels like a really great home. What was going uh, through your mind? I just kind of want to double back to you saying that you were not even sure if you wanted to wrestle anymore. What was that time like for you? Like, I feel like when you're a wrestler that very much kind of makes up your identity as a person a lot of times like even when I left WWE I was very much like what do I do where am I going what's happening like it really gets in your psyche so what was going through your mind when you were contemplating if you even wanted to step back into the ring I was just kind of emotionally drained from wrestling and like you know we we can get into NXT later but like that environment and that system like just really didn't work for me as a person and um I just very much was like this this is such bullshit like this is not what I love about wrestling this is not I'm not even wrestling um I come to work and like no one has valued me for any of my literal life accomplishments before I got here like what is this worth what have I done with my life what like was it even worth it up until this point when I was fired like I had contemplated going back to school a whole bunch and uh I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to go back to school. So I immediately like sent in applications to different schools that were online. And I was like, maybe I'm just going to be a normal person again. To do what? What were you, what were you going to maybe go to school for? So I was in school before wrestling became full-time, um, for exercise science. And, uh, that was just really hard because I didn't have the time to like dedicate to studying. And I was also teaching full-time. When I came back, it was kind of like, okay, maybe not exercise science, but history it has always been like my first love. Um, and it comes natural and it's fun for me. And it's, it's, that's, that's who I am really, um, is like just such a big history buff. So when I was released in May, that was the first thing I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to school and I'm going to be a history teacher. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. 
Now I'm about a year out from my bachelor's. So that's awesome. But it was kind of like, what do I want to, how do I want to identify myself outside of wrestling? Is there, is there things I can love outside of this as much as I loved wrestling? Because I don't know that I love it anymore. It wasn't even just wrestling. It was like, I don't even know that I love me anymore. Like, who am I? God, it can be such a mind fuck because you're so immersed from all angles. Like you said, it's like, what do I like outside of this even? And it's hard to find those other things because wrestling is so consuming of your time. I mean, when, whether you're on social media, whether you're training, whether you're actually going and making towns and doing shows, it's like, when do you come up for air and check in again of like, who am I? you know, you start doing something at like 17, 18, however old to like, holy shit, I'm an adult woman now. What am I doing? Like, it just makes your head spin. That's exactly how I felt. It was like wrestling was, I was nine years old, Like I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And then I planned my whole life. Like I was a cheerleader. I was a gymnast. These things will help me be a wrestler. I asked one Christmas for a Bowflex and a treadmill. <laughs> like, wrestlers worked out. So I should lift weights. Like my whole entire life, like from childhood to now I was, you know, 25 or 26 years old. Like, I don't know what my interests are outside of this because I've been so consumed with only being a wrestler. There had to be something else out there, but I just didn't know what yet. Uh, so really, um, I think my mindset was like, I'm not going to plan. I've planned the last 17 years of my life to get to where I was and I hated it. So let's just see if I go with the flow and I take every day as it comes, like what will come to me? If I put that in the universe, hopefully it gives me something back. God, there's so much to unpack here. Um, Okay. First, before I get into more of the love-hate relationship with wrestling, nine-year-old you, what was it that made you go, holy shit, I love wrestling. I want to be a wrestler. How do I do this? It was Stone Cold Steve Austin hitting someone. I like my instinct says Chris Jericho, but I don't know that that ever happened. Um, Hitting someone over the head with a chair. My brother was watching what I assumed to be raw. And I didn't know like really what wrestling was. I had never really seen it before. He was a fan, but I didn't know. And I remember going, oh, "What? who would let someone do? Why would you do that to someone? Like, I didn't know, you know, but um, I was so like awestruck by like, he just hit someone with a steel chair. <laughs> and from that moment, like my brother will tell you, uh, I became obsessed. Like I needed to know everything about whatever this thing was. And it actually ruined the rest of my <laughs> You got to peek behind the curtain. <laughs> what was that like in school? Did you have friends that were into wrestling as well? Or were people like this girl's the wrestling girl that's into it? Where did people gravitate towards? I had like one friend, her name was Jenna, uh, who was just as big of a wrestling fan as I was and like felt the same, like, Ooh, maybe one day I'll be a wrestler. She's not, unfortunately, but we kind of bonded. Damn it, Jenna, follow your dreams, girl. <laughs> we kind of bonded over that. Um, so I had a couple people that were like, okay, this is cool. Like my best friend, um, her name's Desiree. We laugh now because one night we fell asleep watching like the John Cena DVD so she can like sing the whole Doctor of Thugonomics theme song with me. (laughs) Um, People were supportive of it, but it was also like the immediate insult. Like, well, you're the wrestling girl. Like, okay, John Cena. Okay, Triple H. Like where I was like, yeah, if I'm going to be those people, that's cool as hell. Yeah. Honestly, set the bar high. Shit. Might as well. (laughs) That's great. I love that. I mean, I, I really, I feel like everyone at one point or another kind of goes through that phase of like, shit, what is this wrestling? Tell me more about this. Like, I remember like recognizing Kane on TV and being like, what is happening here to him? Like, you know, we would tombstone each other on like the front lawns. Don't do this at home, kids. Not safe, not recommended. (laughs) 
Okay. So you're following the path. You're nine years old. You get into wrestling. You, you know, you start knocking off some, uh, some dream things like signing to WWE, signing to NXT, uh, but then not loving it anymore. What happened that kind of sucked the fun out of it for you? I think even before I signed to NXT and, and um, it was right before the second May Young and I had been on like such a tear. Like I was doing stuff with Ring of Honor. I was contracted there, um, but I was traveling the world. I was in Japan living for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, three months at a time. I had done a tour of Australia. I was in Canada. I was all over America. Um, I was spending a lot of time in England and I just felt like, oh, this is the dream. Like I'm seeing the world and it's expenses paid. And, you know, I was just having a lot of fun. And then when I came back, it was like, okay, now I'm just in one place. And I was just wrestling, you know, three nights a week, four nights a week, five nights a week, depending where I was. And now I'm training and I'm not wrestling matches. Like I did play the game at first and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, like definitely. Pun intended or no pun intended? Time to play the game. (laughs) Got it. Sorry. Wow. What a fucking loser I am. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> it took me a second to realize, but pun intended. Absolutely. And just kind of go like, okay, you want me to debut on TV and lose? Oh, that kind of sucks. But okay, whatever. Like no big deal. Okay. Now I'm on TV. This was with Oscar. That was with Bianca. Okay. My first road loop, like immediately after the May Young, it was like, we filmed all of that. Two weeks later, it was like, you're going to go on a road loop. And I was like, I'm going to be on the main roster in a year. This is great. <laughs> Um, road loop wrestled Bianca in, uh, they taped, um, a week of NXT at Barclays center, got to wrestle at Barclays. My family was there, you know, come back. I'm back on TV, like two or three weeks in a row. So I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, this is really great. This is happening. They're going to use me. Awesome. And then it stopped and it was kind of like, okay, so no big deal. Let's like pitch some stuff. Let's see what they're thinking. Um, and then when you ask too many questions, then you become a problem. And I asked too many questions. And then I think I just, I just really couldn't like kick that, that habit of being like, okay, but now what? Okay. But me like, hi, I'm in the back. What about me? And the more I asked, the more people got upset. And I, yeah, it was just labeled as a problem. I was labeled as difficult and that like people didn't want to work with me. I wasn't working hard enough. You fall out of love with it when you're not doing it to the level you, you know, you can do it as it was just like all disappointing. And I, I really felt like, what did I put myself through to get here? Because I wasn't just here now. Like I had done so much prior to like prove myself and feel like, you know, make them think like, okay, she can do this. She is worth it. She is a star. You know, I was traveling with with SmackDown at one point. I was, um, you know, being an extra at NXT every single time there was tapings. And it was like, it just felt like it was all for nothing. That's just got to be so frustrating because like, where do you find the line of like reaching for that brass ring versus do I just sit back meek in the corner and wait for somebody to pick me out? Like, is that essentially kind of what the vibe is, is to wait your turn? I mean, that's the vibe that I got that I was doing wrong Um, because we would have these like, you know, you do a skull session and they kind of give you critique. And, um, you know, I was in a class that I felt like I can do all these things like the you know, I was in Serena's class and Serena was trained by my trainer. So it was kind of like all the things we're doing I did before I got here. So I would sit down with, you know, every week and be like, so, okay, let's watch this match. What can I do better? And like, I wasn't necessarily getting a lot of feedback of like, this is what you could do better. Otherwise it was like, this is good. And maybe, maybe this, you could have done something different here or or something there, or we need to play with your music and your entrance. But it wasn't like wrestling wise, 
no one was really telling me anything different. And that was my biggest complaint. So I'd go to Matt Bloom and be like, okay, I came here to be a TV star. Like, and I'm not. So if you're not going to tell me what I need to do to be a TV star, like, what am I doing here? In hindsight, maybe I just did that too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but like you said, it's like, you know, even from my point of view, like when I was calling the Mae Young Classic, it wasn't, we knew that who you were coming in. Like you had a name coming into doing the Mae Young Classic, to signing with NXT and all that stuff that's like, why would you feel like you should be at the back of the line? Like, yeah, you're there. Your ball's already rolling. You should want to be like, okay, we're already here. I'm doing well. Let's really get into the nitty gritty and make me that big TV star. Let's not erase all the things that I've already done and start from scratch again. That seems like pretty counterproductive. That's how I felt definitely of like, I think I've like, I should have a little bit more credibility than maybe you're giving me credit for. And, you know, obviously like it's a, it's a whole new environment. I had never actually been signed to NXT. I needed to like find a, a working relationship with all the girls and, and things like that. And, it, you know, I think when I first was released and I said all of these things, people were like, she didn't want to work hard and she didn't want to put in the time. And it was like, that was not it. You know, I just wanted to move up in the ranks. And for whatever reason, I was not doing that as simple as like, okay, I'm in the in- intermediate class. Like, how do I get to the, how do I get to the TV class with Sarah? Like, what steps do I need to take to be there? And there was no answer. If you're not telling me what I need to do to be there, then you're choosing me not to be there. And that's bullshit. And that's when the frustration sets in. Like you said, it's like you clearly from nine years old into getting to this point in life, it's like you were on a direct path. You knew what you wanted to do. There was no really knocking you off of that path. Did it start to feel hard to continually go to bat for yourself? Like that's got to be a little bit disheartening to feel like you have to keep backing yourself up time and time again. You know, honestly, I didn't really feel like anyone else was backing me up. So um, I really had to take that like initiative. And I think at first you start with like the little questions like, what more can I do? Or did I do something to offend someone? Or is there like rights I need to make? You didn't shake someone's hand. Yeah. <laughs> like anything. Like I looked for any reason why this could not be working out. And then you become frustrated. So I would literally sit in Matt Bloom's office and we'd be yelling at, at each other across the table. He would feel one way and I felt the other way. And I was just advocating for myself of like, I don't think you're seeing it. And, you know, it was simple things of like, I went out and spent my own money to have vignettes made outside of the PC to pitch this character. And, you know, by no means is character work my strong suit. Wrestling is my strong suit. And I know that. Shocker for a wrestler. How dare you? <laughs> you <know>, serve. So, <laughs> right. But that's a big part of what we do is promos. And, you know, people want to see character work. And, and a lot of NXT is based on ha- having these big characters. Um, and like the whole, the whole package, you know, going in, I definitely knew like, this is something I'm going to need to work on. Uh, you know, promos, I, I literally would cry in promo class because I didn't like my peers staring at me. Like, (laughs) um, and it was just something I, I needed to work on. And, and I consistently will say, I tried to film stuff and do stuff and be in the, the extra promo booth talking and just trying to like show them I'm working on every aspect of me and I'm willing to put in the extra work to try to make this work. And even things like that just didn't, didn't work. I just recently saw this. I'm not sure how much truth there is to this, but seeing that um, apparently WWE no longer wants to be scooping up stars from the Indies. They want to create their own stars within that NXT system. What is your opinion on that? I definitely think that there has been 
quite a few people that weren't wrestlers before that have become stars. And like off the top of my head, Bianca Belair is one of them. She was like just meant to be a, a star. She's a star no matter what you do with that chick. She's just going to crush anything in front of her. She's amazing. She is a super athlete. She can talk. She can be a cocky heel. She can be the lovable baby face. Like she can just do it all. And they taught her how to wrestle from scratch. And then make her own gear on top of that. <laughs> <Right>. Like, girl. <laughs> but then I also think for a performance center to work, especially what I experienced in watching like new people come in, try to wrestle. Do you need that indie talent who already kind of knows what they're doing to lead those people the right way or to help shape their mindset? Because the coaches can only do so much. The coaches aren't wrestling with those people. If you put two new people, the blind is leading the blind. You need a leader. You need someone who knows what they're doing and has experience. And it doesn't need to be like a 20 year vet. It could be the two year person that just trained elsewhere and has a little bit of their own understanding already. But I just think that saying, you know, indie wrestlers aren't needle movers. I mean, then you're saying Adam Cole isn't a needle mover. You know what I mean? Someone like your husband, John, wasn't a needle mover. There's reasons why you, you brought those people in from where they were and then made them stars. But I also think for you to make someone from scratch a star, you need talent that can work with them and, and help them become stars. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at just like, you know, understanding the psychology of wrestling, that doesn't just happen through sitting in a class, figuring something out. Like it takes years and years and years to really understand that that psychology and pick up on the little things that really take someone from being like a star into like a mega star. Like that takes a long time. Yeah. It takes more than just sitting with Shawn Michaels, like which I never got to do, but I would die to have been able to do um, because you can absorb so much. But I feel like wrestling is like any sport. It's hands on and how you practice is how you play. And if you're not getting to practice at that elite level with people who can help you when you're making mistakes, my training was super on the fly and like just go in there and listen to the to the heel who was the veteran and they'll help you. And then when I got used to that, it was like, well, now you're going to call it. And if you make mistakes, I'll help you. So I felt like, okay, my role is to like help these new people learn wrestling and do it the right way. And when we're in the ring, make them feel comfortable and make them feel like they're making the right choices and they can be confident in the moves they're hitting and really communicate with them. But you don't learn how to communicate effectively unless you're in the ring with someone who can. And I just think it comes down to if you don't have that experience level, then the blind is leading the blind. And it takes a really lot more time then to develop a megastar. Exactly. It takes a long, I mean, it takes a long time to do it no matter what, but yeah, you're really kind of slowing down the process even more so through that Avenue. Um, okay. So you're doing your time in NXT. Things are not going the way that you want them to go. You get released from NXT. When did you fall in love with wrestling again? After that, if you're going through the slump, you're kind of figuring out where do I go? What do I want to do? How do you find that spark again? I think it was Slammiversary 2000 and I guess it was 20 that I wrestled Jordan Grace for the Knockouts Championship. That match is probably my number one, my favorite match of my entire career up until this point. Um, because I just felt like I went out and I said, fuck NXT, I hate that place. They didn't use me. I have so much potential. And now it was up to me to like live up to that. <laughs> and, yeah, right, gulp. Here we go. <laughs> I put such a huge target on my back and I feel like Slammiversary solidified for me. What I thought I could do, who I thought I was, 
And I was that person that night. Um, and, you know, obviously it wasn't just me. It was Jordan helping me be that person. But I just feel like we have such great chemistry. We are such great friends. And we were really able to make the most of me winning that night. And that is what helped make me a star. Yeah. I mean, OK, so what do you feel like you still have to prove at this point from you've had so much success in your time away from WWE? What kind of keeps that chip on your shoulder or what do you still want to knock off? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I think that I'd like to like be a main event. I think that you really need a storyline and like something to really sink your teeth into character wise and story wise to warrant being a main event. It, you know, I don't want to be the person that's like, I'm a woman, so give me a first and let me be the main event. I want to earn it. That's what I want to do. Whether it's, you know, impact as these monthly specials that don't have as much character storyline driven stuff, but are just like fun pay-per-views or a real, one of our big pay-per-views main event that I think that would really be like the last box I want to check before I'm like, okay, I, maybe I did it all. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a part of you because things didn't go the way that you wanted them to go with WWE and NXT that you would like a second go around at that to be like, Hey, I've proved myself yet again, still working with these other promotions. My name's out there. I'm doing so many things to still want to come in and be a part of WWE and say, win the raw women's championship or SmackDown women's championship. Yeah. I I think that was like always my goal as a kid. Like I didn't know all these other promotions existed. I was a WWE fan. So for me, the goal was always to like be on WrestleMania and be the women's champion. Um, So I think there's always going to be a part of me that's like, I wish it turned out differently and, you know, never say never. If there was an opportunity, maybe I would go, but I don't know. I think that it drives me every day to like work hard to get that phone call and then be like, oh, me, the difficult one, the bullet. Yeah, mm, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have time in my already packed, busy schedule? I think it's a driving force to, to for them to like want me back. Definitely. Uh, and then I won't say no because never say never. Sometimes I feel like no. Sometimes I feel like, fuck you guys. Like you had me for so many years, so many years, like even before I was signed so many years, you, you could have done something and you, I was always put on the back burner. Uh, and now I'm thriving. I'm, like this last year has been probably the best year of my entire life. Um, so that's how I feel. <laughs> Take that. Um, okay. Another person that may potentially feel that same way, uh, Mercedes Martinez, who you've got a match coming up with her. How are you feeling to, to be sharing the ring with somebody like Mercedes and sort of the career she's been able to have? I've always looked up to Mercedes. I've known her for a long time. I was able to wrestle her like shimmer weekends and things like that. Um, and it was then super intimidating. So now I feel like she probably has that little chip on her shoulder that I have of like, you had me and it took that long for you to get me. And then you just, you know, threw me away, especially when she was like rocking and rolling on TV. She had a character like I know some of the stuff that was supposed to happen. So I feel like being released for her was probably like a big shock. Um, and I think she probably wants to come out like guns blazing and, and proving everyone wrong, uh, kind of like we all do. So I think it'll be a really exciting match. And then if I'm still the knockouts champion, it's for the knockouts championship. So um, that puts a little more like spice on it. Like, ooh, you know, can she beat me? Will she come to impact then? Who knows? You know, the NFL is back and FanDuel Sportsbook is celebrating with 40 to one odds on any week one game. Who doesn't want to win 200 bucks on a five dollar bet? This is no Hail Mary. It's that simple. New customers get 40 to 1 odds when you place your first wager on any team to win. 
FanDuel sports betting made simple. This app is so easy to use. Even my dumbass can use it. So when you win, you also get paid in as little as 24 hours. Some of the things that I love about FanDuel, especially with NFL on FanDuel, is it's number one rated sportsbook app in America. That alone, I love stats. I'm a stats woman, number one rated. It's so easy to use. As I just said, if I can use it, you can use it. I promise you. And it's safe and secure. Plus, you get those fast payouts. Like I said, get paid in under 24 hours. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're always hooking you up with exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more. So just sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, and you could win $200 on a $5 bet. Just use the promo code Renee. That's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. New Year's is only $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Maximum bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Restrictions apply. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Maximum bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit www www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. What is the difference between promotions that you would say? I mean, from working, you know, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact, NWA, uh, what what is sort of the difference between those promotions just from like a creative standpoint even or like in the locker rooms? Yeah, I feel like with... NXT, like we said, it's very much like, wait, your turn. And these are who we have ideas for. And then there's like a line that hopefully you'll fall somewhere in. And they don't, at least when I was there, they didn't really take your ideas into account. Where with Impact, I wrote up like a whole character synopsis of this is the virtuosa and these are the promos I'd like to cut. And these are like the moves I'd like to do. And and here's like how to, how to build me um, in that WWE structure where like new people kind of get those, those squash matches with the extras and things like that. So when I presented that to impact, they were like, yes, love it. Let's do it. And it's kind of stayed that way where I have a really good relationship with RD Evans. Who's one of our main creative people. Jimmy Jacobs is there. Great guy. Yeah, I, I, they are so creative. And I feel like Robert, especially, is way more of a virtuoso than I am the virtuoso. Like, he just gets it, and we just vibe so well together um, that it's really helped me develop. And then, you know, I only got a little bit at NWA, like a little bit of taste. But, um, you know, just from a, like a locker room standpoint, I feel like, you know, Impact and NWA are very easy and like you feel welcome and at home there's no real pressure there's no eggshells and like oh I didn't shake that person's hand crap like I'm you know not gonna be on tv tonight everyone just kind of is working for each other and working to like build their platform and and wants everyone else to be successful I haven't run into too much of that like backstabbing cattiness um or like maybe I have and I'm just oblivious (laughs) which what a great way to live life right I don't even yeah, what are you talking about? That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, so the virtuosa. What other monikers were on the table while you were coming up with what is now the virtuosa? It's not easy to come up with what is going to be your moniker and have it stick. Gosh, I spent so much time because I felt like this is life changing. Like, you know, it's kind of like WWE asked me to pick a new name. And I was like, I can't see myself as anything else. Like, so the process of the virtuosa was like, Okay, I want something that 
nods to my wrestling style, but I don't want to just be like the generic technician or the mechanic or, you know, things like that. So I try to use those words and translate them into Latin or Italian or, or things like that. And that's where virtuosa came from. But I was kind of like, it's a weird word. If you don't know how to say it, maybe you'll say it wrong. I mean, some people still call me the virtuoso. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really from the get when I was like, okay, I can't think of anything else, but I really do like this. Uh, we'll just see what happens. From day one, it was like an education process. I can't even imagine just like writing like a little like thought bubble of like, this could work or this could work and like things that maybe go with Diana or like, it's, I mean, what an, a whole process to try to like nail that. And then having to explain to people what it means, like the whole shebang, but you did it. And that's why I think it was as much of a shock to me when like NXT was like, we don't get it. And I'm like, well, what do you like? This is the literal definition. What do you mean? You don't get it at ring of honor. I didn't explain it. One day I was, from Hackett Sound, New Jersey, Deanna Perrazzo. And two weeks later, I was the virtuosa. Like, and people were just like, okay, yeah, we, I don't know if they Googled it or whatever, but it just kind of stuck right away where people were like, makes sense. And I didn't have to try. So when I really had to try, it was, it was really hard because at that point it was already personal. And it was like, I'm not giving it up. Like, this is who I am. This has been my body of work. This is what you brought me in here from. I'm not (laughs) giving up on Uh, it. Okay, so you're, Personal relationship. We've gone through all of the wrestling things. I feel like we've kind of turned all of those cards over. Um, So into your personal life, you and Steve Macklin, how did you guys get together? Give me the romance. Um, Steve is a DM slider. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. Um, But we were were in NXT together. And obviously, you know, the more you work with people that are around people, you get to know them. And um, yeah, he like just slid in my DMs. And we started out as friends. Like, I was so oblivious to maybe the fact that he was like trying. It wasn't a flirty DM or it was just like. Yeah. So I was super into Sons of Anarchy when I first moved to Florida. Um, I had just started the show and then I tend to like become obsessed with like topics from that point after Sons had ended for me. I bought like every book I could find on like motorcycle club infiltrations and things like that. Yeah. So one quote I had like put on my Instagram story was about like uh, um, being an outlaw. And I think the guy was at one point um, like the leader of the Hell's Angels in California. And whatever the quote was resonated with Steve. And he was just like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that's what the Forgotten Sons are about. Like, that's oh. kind of vibe we're basing ourselves on. And that's kind of how we started talking. And then. I offered him the book, I think at one point, like, well, if you want to read it, I just thought we were like being friendly. We worked together. We're getting to know each other. I was new. And then it kind of never stopped. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of kept talking, kept talking. And then, um, yeah, like eventually, like it was like, I really, I enjoy this person and talking to this person and learning about this person. And, you know, Steve and I grew up like 35 minutes from each other. Um, families like know each other through best friends and high school. Really? Yeah. It's really weird. Oh my God. Damn. My mom went to high school with a woman who works with his mom. Okay. So yeah, like when our families kind of realized like, okay, they're, they're, they're together. Like they're both from Jersey. All the pieces could just kind of fell into place of like, oh, we kind of knew each other the whole time. That's hilarious. <laughs> How bizarre. It's such a small world. Yeah. And even in wrestling, the people who, you know, when he got out of the Marine Corps, 
you know, he says like, I never thought I could be a wrestler. Like, you know, I'm like big for a wrestler, but I wasn't as big as the wrestlers were when I watched wrestling. So I didn't think I could be Hulk Hogan, you know? Yeah. But he had some indie friends who introduced him to Darren Young, Fred Rosser. And those indie friends were wrestling on shows that were like some of my first shows and training with me and teaching me how to be a wrestler. So it's really, really weird how like our paths should have crossed so many times and just didn't until NXT. You said that this past year has been like the best year of your life. How much of that has to do with your personal relationship as well as professionally? All of it. Like he's, he's just perfect for me. (laughs) And like, we, we, we argue, but like, we just have this, like we can communicate effectively and we understand each other. And like when I need time or he needs space, like we just totally understand each other. And it's, it's so great because like, we just bought a house. We have two puppies. Like we are just trying to live our best lives and doing it together has made it so much better. And now he's an impact. So like we get to travel together and things like that. So um, yeah, it's just like 75% attributed to him. Definitely. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Very, very cool. Um, Okay. So you're talking about how you become obsessed with different topics and whatnot. Is there something that you're obsessed with right now? So I'm in school right now. So it's been more about like what my papers are on really. Um, So I actually just finished a class uh, on the civil war and reconstruction. Um, Yeah. So I have was super into My paper was on how president Andrew Johnson failed reconstruction, (laughs) but I was, I'm super into like, um, you know, how like we got our amendments and how those started because that time period, we got like two or three different amendments and things like that. So I'm just kind of all into that, like beginning of America history right now. Listen, as a new citizen to America, float those notes my way, girlfriend. <laughs> I could like brush up it's on all of that. It yeah. is a lot. Oh my, it, it really is a lot. It's very daunting. Canadian history is um, less exciting than American history. So yeah, float some of that stuff my way, 100%. I love it. And I love just sitting down and like getting into the thick of it, but there's so much more than like, you know, the civil war, you think like, okay, North versus South, but there's, there's so much more um, when you really get into the meat of it that, Oh, like, I mean, I'm glowing just talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) You, you literally are beaming right now. He loves a history. That's so that those are kind of my topics right now. I get to pick really what I, what I write my papers on. So that's what I get into right now. (laughs) Great. Uh, What else do your off days look like? Like when you're not submerged in wrestling or in a civil war history. Yeah. We um, love to take the dogs to the park. We are like three minutes from Chelsea and Matt. So we all like either bring the dogs here or we do pool days there. There's a dog park, like right in between both of our houses. We always go to um, really, it's just about like the dogs and trying to like get a house together. <laughs> Once you have the dogs, it is really about like, like John and I always say that we're like, what the hell did we do before we have the dogs? Like what, what, how did we spend our time? And now we have a baby. So now it's like, all right, what do we do before we have the baby? It's, it's all just such a trip. It's yeah. Trying to stay on top of all of it. Um, okay. So you mentioned Chelsea. I know you're really close friends with Britt Baker as well. How cool is it having such close friends that are like-minded like you to be surrounded with women that are in wrestling and you guys are all working in different areas and still kind of come together on that common cause. It's so fun. I think the best part about wrestling for me is, is not just my success, but it's like seeing people I love be successful and seeing Chelsea who 
went through what I went through and now she's thriving too. Like, um, and then Brit who, you know, like has been on this whole journey with AEW and seeing her go from like that baby face that people were like, didn't really like to this mega star heel, but people still really like her be the women's champion. Like it's so cool for me knowing where we came from three or four years ago, we were on the road, like sharing hotel rooms to save money and, and, you know, wrestling on, on shows with three people. And now we're doing things like empower. She's about to be on all out, defend her, um, AEW women's championship. Like it's the best part about having friends, um, that do what I do because they get to be successful too. What about, um, becoming a triple champ and taking that AEW women's title from Brit? That's like our dream match. Like I bug Scott Demore about that probably every time we text. I know she gets on Tony about it and the Twitterverse wants to see it. But then it's also too like, ooh, I could be the triple champion or Impact has tag team championships. So we could be the tag team champions and then I'll have three championships. She'll have two and we'll just kind of like own the wrestling world. I think might be a better outcome. Yeah, that is nice. It's it's better to just kind of spread all of those championships amongst the two of you. Right? That's that's what I think. Is there any world where you go back uh to to working with Ring of Honor? I would love that. And before I signed with Impact last year, I did speak to Ring of Honor. Um, but it just like I had given Impact my word that I would be signing. And then I was exclusive. So I didn't want to go back on my word and they didn't really have a partnership. And there wasn't a world yet where we could be working on all these companies. So the stuff that Ring of Honor was planning would have been like two or three months after my contract started. And I just didn't feel in a place to like ruffle feathers yet. So I was like, you know what, hopefully bringing it to Impact's attention that that Ring of Honor would like to work with me will maybe mend some fences and bring everyone together. So uh, in my head, 100%, there's a world that I'm wrestling Chelsea Green for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Um, I, I just hope that Impact and Ring of Honor can see that too. Put it out there, manifest it. You and Chelsea and get on the same page, make these pitches. I mean, we keep talking about all these forbidden doors being knocked down and what have you. So I feel like nothing's really ever off the table these days. And that's how it feels. It feels like, you know, I got this person talking about it and, and then Scott's open to it. So it's just going to be the right timing, the right crossover, the right, okay, we give you Diana. who could you give us and, and what benefits everyone. And yeah, like I'm, I'm so excited to see where all of this goes for all of the companies and all of my loved ones, because everyone gets to make their name and be successful and grow from it. Really. Stay booked and busy and everybody make that money. Hell Yeah. All right. So to indulge um, producer extraordinaire, Emilio Sparks, and this is going to be a little bit controversial. I understand that. But um, we're talking having Sunday dinner spaghetti in my world. Are we calling it sauce or gravy? It's gravy. (laughs) So what do you call actual gravy? I am not Italian. I don't really have a dog in this fight, but I need to get to the bottom of this because to me, gravy is like on poutine. That's gravy, too. But the stuff that goes on pasta is also gravy. <laughs> so I think actually like maybe what my grandma would have considered gravy always has meat in it. Um, I don't eat pasta without some kind of meat in it because uh, then it's just carbs. Right. But, but so I always call it gravy. Um, but I think really gravy might be the stuff that has meat in it and not just the red sauce. But to me, it's all gravy. And then there's brown gravy. There's also white gravy. But is white gravy like an Alfredo sauce with meat in it? I guess I would just call that Alfredo sauce. I was thinking like white gravy that you put on like. Like biscuits, like this, like this sausage gravy. Yes. 
That is such an American thing. The first time I went through catering in WWE and that was gravy. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I had never seen it before in my life. It's delicious. Yeah. But I had no idea that white gravy was a thing. It's bizarre. Okay. So do you make your own gravy? I can. Absolutely. It's very timing to me. It takes like the whole day to do. And I did for the very first time last Easter, um, when I had some people over for a small Easter dinner, uh, it was so nerve wracking because like my parents made it, my dad makes the best one. Hopefully my mom's not watching this because she'll get upset. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> but my dad makes the best one and it's got like brajol and meatballs and, and sausage and it all just mm, comes together and it's amazing. But I had to live up to that. So it was kind of like, okay, just tell me the truth. Is it good? Is it good? No, I know it's not that it's not good. I know it's not good. Okay, fine. <laughs> did you did it live up to it? Was it good? Um, yeah, my mom. I made it for my mom when she was here a couple of weeks ago and she was like, This is good. This is good. Hell, so yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I think everything to me is gravy. I'll never call it sauce. Good to know. All right, you guys heard it here first. It is gravy. The end. Period. Well, Deanna, thanks so much for hanging out with me. It was great to chat to you and hear your whole story from nine-year-old you to all the things that you are knocking down right now. It's, it's really cool to see you just crush it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy we got to do this. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, guys, this has been Oral Sessions with Deanna Perrazzo, the virtuosa, not virtuoso dummies. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> A big thank you to Deanna for hanging out with me. I'm glad that we got to the bottom of the the gravy versus sauce conundrum. Again, like I said, I don't have a dog in this fight, but uh, I, I like to know which side of the fence people sit on. And I would like to know how to make this gravy. I need Anona to take me under her wing and show me the ways. Emilio, I believe that your mom can do it. She's not Anona, but she could help me do it, you know? Is this something we can work on? Anyways, or hey, you guys can send me some recipes. Send me some recipes on uh, on the old Twitter machine. That would be great. Just do a little Sunday sauce. I got time. I got time to do the crime. Uh, all right, guys, this has been Oral Sessions. Until next time, I bid you adieu.